Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the Youth Director here at SFBC. Today's podcast is taken from our in-person service on June 26th, when Pastor Rod Heppel wrapped up our We Serve Sermon series by talking about partnership. We also hear from Karina Soria, a missionary from, that our church partners with who works at the El Hordan Ministry in Bolivia. Krista Penner from our Fellowship's regional office also shares about how we partner with other churches in our fellowship. Enjoy! Today is a special Sunday. Uh, We have a couple of guest speakers that are joining us today. Um, If you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we started into a new sermon series called We Serve. And the first week, we kind of looked at how we serve together as a body of Christ, each of us knowing our gifts and using them to serve God. And then last week, Pastor Tim kind of looked at how you take that servant heart of Christ and bring it into your everyday life. Uh, Starting in our own homes, living it out in our neighborhood and in our workplace or where we go to school or play. And today what we're looking at doing is um, kind of bringing it together with another idea where we partner with other groups. And so today's kind of like um, Partnership Sunday, where we're looking at different groups that we support together. And so the first um, opportunity we have is to hear from Karina Clements from the Jordan Ministry in Bolivia, which we've been promoting for a few weeks now. And the, uh, the point that I was making about the weather is that uh, it's so hot today that we've changed venues from the backyard to out in the foyer. So please hang around here afterwards if you were coming for that, or go home and get your food and come back here. But we wanted to choose a cooler environment. Now, 27 years ago, Stardust Fellowship started partnering with Karina when the Jordan Ministry was founded. Uh, Karina reached out to me a few weeks ago and uh, said, hey, I'm going to be passing through on June 26. Could I say a few words? And I was like, oh, yes, I so badly want you to. But we also have Krista Penner, who's here from our fellowship. And we'd already planned this, that kind of partnering with our fellowship, and she's going to share on that. And then Karina's coming through. So I thought, how could we do that? Well, Karina, I didn't want to miss the opportunity. So we're giving Karina 10 minutes up front in this service. And then, kids, you're all going to follow her out and go down for your Sardis Kids time where she's going to share a little bit more with you. And then anyone else who wants to hear more can stay for the potluck afterwards, which is going to be out in our foyer. So that's what's happening. Now, what is the street ministry in Santa Cruz, Bolivia? Because some of you are new to Sardis Fellowship and you won't know the history. The rest of you know very well the history. You know that Heidi Gladman was one of our own missionaries and we sent her down there. She worked at that center for 16 years. Our Sardis Kids program gives their offering every single week. Their offering goes towards supporting the street ministry on, in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. And also, once a year, we do a special fundraiser through Sardis Kids where they either make cookies or, more recently, they've been making Christmas cards, right? And we have bought those Christmas cards and supported that work. And last year, we had, if I'm not mistaken, maybe you remember, Tim, but around 3000 right, dollars that came in for that. And the initiative there is that it goes to support the kids' school supplies that are a part of the program at the Jordan Ministry Center. So... All of that is a bit of the history of our connection to this ministry. But, Karina, we have a long-standing history with our families. Come on up. Um, First of all, my wife and I got to work with Karina when we also were serving in Bolivia. We were part of the same mission, Karina doing the street work and ourselves working with youth ministry. Um, And then, for those of you who have been a part of our church long enough, you will remember Modesta Harwood, who was Karina's grandmother. She passed away a number of years ago now. But Modesto was a part of the life of this church for many years. And so we have lots of connection. Karina, share with us your heart on the Jordan ministry. I'll let you use this mic here, right? Oh, you can't see everyone for the lights? No, I can't see the The Apostle Paul had the same problem. You can't see the clock. Don't worry. I can, and I will let you know. It's a dangerous thing when you have a missionary come in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Carol's pointing at the red 
clog it. Yeah, see 10.15? Yeah, 10.25? <laughs> the floor opens up and you drop. Okay. Well, it's wonderful to be back here again. It, it has been a while. Um, only have 10 minutes, so I will dive in. It was back in 1995. I went back to Bolivia. I had grown up there as a missionary kid. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I wanted to go back to Bolivia. I didn't know whether that was something personal or something that God was laying on my heart. So I worked really hard, saved up my money, thought I could live down there for a year and a half. And I just said, Lord, please lead me, guide me, show me, show me if there's something for me here. Show me if Bolivia is a place that I should be. And it was about a month after I got there that God very definitely engraved street people and drug addicts on my heart. There was no doubt, no doubt, and there never has been a doubt. There's, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what my next step was, but I knew that God wanted me to work with street people. So one of the things, if you don't know what to do, is ask questions. So I asked questions to all the people that I could find that worked with street people. And I know I shared this before when I was here, but it was, it was something so um, important in the beginning of my ministry. But one of the people that I asked was a non-Christian man who had worked with street kids for about seven years. And he said, Karina, I'll give you some advice. He said, just don't be like the Christians. And so I said, well, what's wrong with the Christians? Why, why not? And he said, the Christians come and they have their Bible under their, their, their arm and they say, God loves you and God can change your life. And the street kid hides away their, their drugs. They might, they might smile. They all oh, forget about that they're hungry or their sores. And then the Christian leaves and may never come back again. So he said, don't be like the Christians. And I struggled with that. I struggled with that because the message is right. And God loves every single one of us. No matter what, no matter where we come from, no matter where we are, he loves us. And he can change the person that we think is the hardest, the most lost. His arm is long enough. So... Um, I struggled with that, and God gave me Psalm 103. Psalm 103, where it says, Praise the Lord, forget not all of his benefits. And it gives a whole list of benefits there. It says, He forgives our sins, He heals our diseases, He rescues our life from the pit, He crowns you with love and compassion. He renews, he, he fills your desires with good things so that your, your, um, um, your youth is renewed like the eagles, it says. And I thought, oh, that is the God I want to share with the street people. I want them to know a God who first and foremost can forgive their sins, who can give them a brand new life, a brand new heart, but I also want them to know that God is very aware and 
has his heart open to rescue their life from that pit, to crown them with love and compassion when they've been treated with so much rejection and, and abandonment and so much more. Um, so that is basically how El Hordan began. I knew each one of us is a member of the body. No member is meant to work all by himself. So El Hordan's work is, is made on a basis of the um, um, volunteers from local churches coming in, sharing their professions, sharing their, their gifts, and we work together to point street people who want to change towards the one who can do it, the one who can rescue their life from that pit. But there's some verses that come below that. It says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. You know what? God showed up for Moses. God made himself known to the people of Israel. And you know what? He shows up for my people. He shows up for those street kids. And one of the ways that he shows up is through the help that you send. The kids who make those cookies, cards, you who buy them, being able to help in a very practical way when they live day to day. And if it rains and they can't sell their juice and they don't have enough food for today, how are they going to buy their school supplies? You, God through you, has shown up so that they may know that God is just not some empty message that somebody comes and gives them and walks away. God is a God who shows up and is ready to rescue them and give them a new life. Um, four minutes. <laughs> okay. um, God showed up during the pandemic and I can honestly say it was a very difficult time but it was an amazing time of God showing up for our people imagine our, the street people our people who are getting off the streets they live day to day what they make today is so that they can take home supper for tonight. If they don't make something today, they sometimes have to figure out what they're going to do. So, in March 2020, Bolivia went into a strict lockdown for five months. Five months when they couldn't go and wash somebody's clothes or sell some candies on the street. or But God showed I want to tell you about, ooh, two minutes, <sighs> Heidi Alejandra. Heidi Alejandra, we, we were able to get to a, a couple other, well, all of our other people, but we couldn't get to, to Heidi. We knew that she didn't have any food to give to her kids. There was no other way that we could get there, no way that she could come to us. And so I said, Heidi, I want you to tell me tomorrow how God showed up for you. 
So I'm praying, Lord, please <laughs> show up. <laughs> and so I talked to her the next day, and I said, I want you to tell me how God showed up for you. And she said, you know what? I heard a voice on the other side of the wall, and they said, do you want some soup? I have soup left over. And so a hand came over the wall with two bags of soup that fed her kids. And then the voice came back and it said, well, I also have eggs and avocado. Do you want some? And the hand came back over and gave them eggs, gave them avocado. God, in his great mercy, in his great love, showed up. Not an empty message, a God who is alive, alive and wanting oh, wanting to woo them, wanting to... Uh, um, Vanessa is another one who God showed up for during this time. Vanessa, who has been on the streets since she was seven years old. She's now 33. And she thought she could never, ever leave the streets because what she earned in not an honest way on the streets was how she fed her eight children at home. So how is she going to give up what she does on the streets when she thinks her kids are going to go hungry? So the pandemic came and she couldn't go to the streets. She had to be with her, her, her family. And through gifts, some through this church, through others, we were able to buy truckloads of vegetables, of grains, of food, and God gave us passes so that we could go and we could deliver food to over to about a hundred families all through all through the strict lockdown and beyond. So that was God showing up, an incredible blessing for me, for these people who thought they were unloved, and they had a God who showed up so that they could know him. So at the back, there's a table, there's some things, there's some little bracelets that Vanessa made. She was very happy that I was going to be giving away her bracelets today, and she said, tell them thank you. Tell them thank you very much in, in the United States or wherever you are, but tell them thank you. So thank you. Thank you for praying for her and for your gifts and for partnering with, with us. Thank you. So our denomination is called the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches in Canada. There are about 500 churches across the country, uh, 350 or so, most of them are in Ontario. Uh, BC would be the next most uh, populated fellowship churches with about 100 churches in British Columbia and Yukon. Um, we've started doing Fellowship Sunday last year for the first time, and I gave you the grand tour. I don't know if you were here, but we went around the country. What do we do at the national level, right, across Canada? And then what do we do at the provincial level, which is Feb Pacific or Fellowship Pacific, which is regional to our province and the Yukon, and that office is located in Fort Langley. Um, here are some of the faces of the people in our office, David Harita, Krista Penner, who's with us this morning, uh, Todd Chapman, Elizabeth Faulkner, uh, and then we got Anna Reyes and Dan Cody and uh, Colette uh, Bullock and Brian Kim and Emily Rogers and Mike Mahorder and Jessica Powell. Please report back to the office. I did that without looking at my notes. Huh? Yeah. All right. I want to kick back on that one. 
This is our office. They do a great work. Uh, David Harita has been in for some sessions. Todd was with us when we did the Harvey and Beth Peters Day, and Chris has joined us before as well. Um, not in this setting, but in, in a leadership setting. So this is our office, and we support them financially because we partner together. Uh, if we're going to be a part of the Fellowship of Evangelical Churches, um, it's just not a name, but it's actually working together and financially partnering together. So I've known Krista Penner for more than a decade. I don't know exactly how long, Krista, but let's not go there. It's very depressing once you start to add all that up. Um, she's been very instrumental in our Pacific, our Fed Pacific office. What I appreciate about her is her incredible heart, her unrelenting passion to support others. Uh, truly, Krista, you have a servant's heart. She is a willing worker, and uh, she is a hard worker, and she does give her best to this fellowship. Um, she sent me a bio, which she says is in my inbox, but I didn't get it because she sent it 20 minutes before the service. And then her husband says to me, oh, just make it up. <laughs> Jerome, maybe I should give you the mic, and then we would really know. Uh, Krista's husband, Jerome, is here today as well. But this is what we know about Krista Penner. In the office there, she works as the team leader for special team projects, or pardon me, for special projects. Uh, she also oversees what's called our Immerse program, where people who are going into ministry uh, they get theological education, but they also partner with our local churches and um, do like internships. And so she oversees that. Um, she's got 20 years of experience in the corporate world. And this has helped her as she's been part of the leadership development in the past. And now she's on this new uh, focus, which uh, we'll probably hear more about. Um, Krista and her husband, Jerome, are members at Maple Ridge Baptist Church called Ridge Church. And they live in Mission, B.C. with their cute little puppy, according to this, named Mona. Um, they have three adult children, one of whom is married, so they have a son-in-law as well. And Krista enjoys, I didn't know this, cooking for everyone in her life. Well, I'm in your life. I would like to be the recipient of that. Um, anyways, she loves to cook. Anything with a pound of butter, bring it on, let's go. All right, that sounds great. Krista, please come and share with us uh, your heart, what God is doing in our fellowship, and thank you for taking your time, and Jerome, yours too, to be with us on this Sunday and to share uh, your heart. It is um, 1047, so 1105-ish, kind of. 1107, i got to be fair. It's kind of the, you know, all right. Testing. Okay. Start again. You know, I can never do it twice. I have no idea what I just said, so we'll just start over. But it is delightful to be here, and indeed, my job, my role with the fellowship has changed, but I have been with the fellowship for 14 years. And I think that after 14 years, they discovered that they needed to put me in a cheerleading role. So I do development and special projects. And one of the greatest joys is explaining to new Immerse students what the Immerse program is all about. And so some of you are sitting here today and you're going, what is she talking about? Well, the, the Immerse program is an in-church seminary program that raises up leaders who are ready to serve in our churches. The way I like to describe it is this. We are on a mission to develop theologically astute leaders. In other words, we don't really care if you can conjugate a Greek verb. We want to know that you can do a funeral and a wedding and you can care for the person in the third row that's crying. Like that is what we're trying to do. And so I tell our new students this and they are so excited to be in the program. And of course, the main reason that this is so effective is at its core is the local church. 
a church like your church, where you identify a leader and you go, we think that we should support them as they walk into ministry. And then you grow them up and nurture them and encourage them and mentor them in the context of the church, getting them ready to serve. Well, what a novel idea. I'm so glad that Paul talked about it in the New Testament because it is the way we are to actually train up and prepare leaders for our next generation. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that today. I got a whole lot of things I want to tell you about, so I'm going to get going here. But I want to read you a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The reason that I think this verse is so important is because it is really a, a synopsis or it encapsulates what we really want to see happening at the local church level in our fellowship. And Paul writes these words. He says, there is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. He's, speak, he's speaking to the people at Corinth and he's going, there's really no need for me to get into this with you because you've basically got it all figured out. He says, because I know about your eagerness to help. And I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Acacia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. And I love that verse because it encapsulates three things that are so important at the local church, le uh, the local church level. What we see here is a snapshot of what partnership looks like in action. And so here we are celebrating Partnership Sunday, partnership with our fellowship. We are a place where together, churches across our region are leveraging their collective strength to make a God-honoring impact. And those aren't just words that look really nice on letterhead. They're not words that we just throw around because it sounds super cool. Those words drive everything that we do. And so it is a privilege for me to be here this morning and to share a little bit with you about what is happening in Fellowship Pacific. But what does this service look like that Paul's talking about in this verse, these couple of verses? He's saying service to the Lord's people look like this, eagerness to help, ready to give, and enthusiasm that has stirred others to action. And that really is a job, not just for people who work in the Fellowship Ministry Center, that's our job together. And what was so amazing coming in here today is to hear Karina's story, her connection to this church, the people who have impacted her through this local congregation, the work that you know is breaking her heart for Jesus as she serves in the streets of Bolivia. And I was reminded that all of us are called to serve. All of us are called to be eager to help, ready to give, and full of enthusiasm for the Lord's work. Remember growing up, I grew up in a pastor's home, and my dad would say of that word enthusiasm, he would say, you know, Krista, what that really means is en it's entheos and its root. It's in God, true enthusiasm is actually found in your relationship with God through Jesus. That is where it is. And you and I as 
fellow believers, and if you don't know Jesus, you need to know this morning that when we know him, he fills us with an excitement and eagerness. We're ready to serve. We're ready to help. And so we at the Fellowship Ministry Center, we take that very seriously. And so over the last 14 years, that is what I have been about, working in women's ministry, and then we called it leadership development, and then they just recently dumped leadership off the word, and they just said, development, Krista, why don't you go out and talk to people about giving generously to what we're doing? So that's a whole other new adventure that I'm on. But I am going to tell you a little bit this morning about partnership and what this looks like. But let's go back for a minute and look, what, look at what Paul says here in this passage in 2 Corinthians. He is saying to these people, he's saying there is no need. For, uh, for us to tell anybody what it looks like for, to see you serving because you're already involved in it. It's like it's built into the DNA of your church. They were a culture that championed this idea of serving others. And I have to tell you this morning, as I've been in here in your congregation, I see that as something that you champion here. And I look at this passage of scripture and I think about all of the connections and the collaboration that actually happens in our fellowship churches. Uh, we have a, a dear friend of mine who worked with our ministry center for about eight years before she popped back in to actually serve in her local church in Abbotsford at Emmanuel Fellowship. But every day when she would leave the office, she would say, bye, fellowship family. And we'd say, bye, Lara, and off she'd go. But I remember thinking about what a beautiful way it was for her to term the work that we do together. We are a family. You and I this morning, we are a family serving the Lord together with eagerness, with enthusiasm. And this mission that we have to leverage our collective strength to make a God-honoring impact has two pieces to it that are so important. When we talk about leveraging our collective strength, it is a mandate that we are in unity together. And as you know, the Apostle Paul throughout the New Testament talks a lot about unity. And you know, he talked a lot about unity because we're a little bit thick in the head. And we don't get it. So we have to keep learning about it. And he stressed it over and over again. Because in the context of our churches, unity is what pushes the mission forward. We're not spending exorbitant amounts of energy in, you know, negotiation within the church to get along, but we are spending all that energy proclaiming Jesus in the communities in which we live. And then we talk about this God-honoring impact. Everything that we do in the context of our churches across this region needs to be about bringing God the glory. Everything needs to be about pointing people to the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. And so that is what we do. And the essence of everything really boils down to this unity of purpose, this unity of, pur this unity of purpose, this eagerness to stay on track, to be ready to give, and enthusiastic in our connections with each other. Well, one of the values that I have really focused on in our fellowship over the past number of years is leadership development. 
because we're always seeking ways that we can help our churches invest and develop our next generation of leaders. And given enough time and white space, I can come up with some pretty crazy ideas. I Actually, they're like, no, 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 stop, Krista. Let's do the other idea that you already came up with before we get to that idea. So I have to tell you that because sometimes I get a little bit ahead of myself in these ideas. But this is what I want you to know. We have this program called Immerse, and we're always looking, we're always on the outlook for students to come into this program. But before a student is actually ready for the Immerse program, they're doing things like the students in your church are doing, this, these two young people that are headed over to help with uh, summer day camp programs. Uh, they're, they're learning how to serve. They're understanding and pressing, leaning into the call that God has for them in ministry. We all know about kids who go off to camp and they come back so crazy in love with Jesus. You're like, we should just leave them there for four years and then go back and get them. Uh, you know, we have all of those stories from when children are, you know, young teens, when they're 12 and 13 years of age and God just gets a hold of their heart. So, this is where the story gets super exciting and very personal for your church. A few years ago, we hosted our Fellowship Impact Year. And some of you in this room were probably instrumental in helping with that. You probably served coffee and you cleaned up after us and you went, I can't believe this group of Baptists drinks so much coffee. And we did. We just kept drinking your coffee. And we were all in this room. And right over on this far side, after one of the, after one of the um, sessions that we had, I ended up in a conversation with Scott Bailey from Camp Quanos. And some of you know about Camp Quanos. It's one of our partnering camps. The other person in that conversation was a man by the name of Howard Johnson. It's probably not a name that you're familiar with, but Howard Johnson at the time was the CEO of Baptist Housing. And you're going, what is Baptist Housing? Well, Baptist Housing is one of our partnering ministries that actually provides uh, beds for over 2,500 seniors across our province. It's an amazing ministry. And one of the mandates of this ministry is to actually partner with our churches with financial help and encouragement, and they help us with our immersed students, uh, and a, a myriad of things. And we are so grateful for that partnership. So I'm sitting in a conversation over here in your church, and we're having one of those what-if conversations. What if we're saying to Howard Johnson and, and Scott talking, what if we could do something with our camps where we have year-round accountability for these young people that are coming up through our leadership development programs? What would that look like? How could we do it? It's very costly to keep somebody on staff in that kind of a position, but we began to dream. And I remember we left the conversation in this auditorium, and we all went our separate ways, and we began to pray about what this could look like. Well, fast forward a couple of months, and I have a, I have a meeting at the office with Sunny Bray Bible Camp, another one of our partnering ministries, partnering camps where God is at work in the lives of young people. And Camp Quanos is at the table. And we begin dreaming about what we would need for each of these camps to have year-round staff to keep connecting with kids who make significant decisions for Jesus when they're at camp. 
And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I'm going to share mine with you because it's so poignant in understanding this. So in one of my other roles that I did for till I got too old, you know how you're in ministry and then one day they say, you know, you're really too old to do this anymore. You know, those moments, I had one of those. But before I hit that moment, I had a, an, an altar personality named Paprika. And Paprika would go to Timberline Ranch every year, and she would teach and preach the word of God to all of these little kids, mostly little girls, because little girls go to horse camp, because little girls love horses. So I'd have these weeks where I'd have all of these little girls that were aged like grade, they'd be in grade four through grade seven or grade eight, and we'd have the big meeting on, around the campfire on Thursday night, and I'd share Jesus with them. And I'd say, you know, and I'd invite them to accept Jesus in their life. And one night, these two little girls on this Thursday night, they came and they're crying. And they're like, Paprika, we're so sorry. Last year, we were here when you were here. And we said yes to Jesus. And then we went home and we forgot all about him. And we're so sorry and we're back. Well, it's a sweet story and I'm so glad they came back. But the fact of the matter is, for so many of our young people, that is the story. They ride the high of going to camp and having an amazing faith experience, a renewal in their hearts, and then they go back to their old friends and their school and all their habits and all the things that were keeping them from that vibrant relationship with Jesus. So how could we fix this? So as we began dreaming about this, Baptist housing generously came to the table with a huge sum of money to help us make this a reality because this is about supporting somebody in a role like this that has like kids cats and a dog you know like it's a big deal and we needed funding to actually make the program work and so between funding from our fellowship ministry center which you generously give and the camp coming to the table with some of the, those funds and baptist housing bringing the lion's share for a five-year pilot project away we went. And I remember saying, you know, the dream for this program is going to be when we see somebody come through this pipeline of connecting young kids, 13, 14, 15 years of age, to the truth of who Jesus is, helping them to understand that Jesus is worth their life. And bringing them right through. And I said, man, wouldn't it be great if like two or three of them end up in the immerse program? Okay. You know, so I, I said these words out loud. And so this spring, I'm on the phone with a young man from Shushwap uh, Community Church, another one of our fellowship churches. And I'm doing his first initial interview for the Immerse program. And I say, tell me your story. Tell me about how you got here and what this looks like. And he began to tell me a story of being in the SALT program at Sunnybrae Bible Camp, which is their leadership plan, and telling me about Kyle Redeman, who's the young man that we actually are funding through this funding with Baptist Housing. And he tells me about his influence on his life and the connection to his youth pastor at Shushwap Community Church and how that led him to go to Bible school. And now he says, I understand as I talk to Kyle and I talk to my youth pastor that Immerse would be a really great place for me to get the education that I need in order to pursue God's call in my life to be a minister of the gospel. 
And I want to tell you that if a Baptist girl could levitate off her chair, I nearly did. I was so excited. I nearly said in the phone, you're my poster child. I refrained. I didn't do it. But I was so excited. We got off that call, and I immediately sent a t uh, an email to uh, our friends at Baptist Housing. I sent an email to Kyle Rediman at Sunnybury Bible Camp because that is a little glimpse of what it looks like when we give generously, when we serve together, when we're enthusiastic about what God has called us to. That is what this is all about. You know, we need to be a place, Fellowship Pacific needs to be a place where we are fostering our next generation, where we are encouraging them to follow Jesus with their life. It needs to be a place where they see that Jesus is worth everything. You know, as we go forward, we've got a new tagline, which I don't have here for you today because we're just unpacking it now, but this new little clip, you know, little quippy thing that we're kind of, you know, pushing out there. It doesn't mean anything unless we do it. But the tagline is boldly forward, never alone. And you see, as we move forward as a group of churches, we need to be a place where we are not afraid to move forward with the gospel where we're not afraid to tell people about the life-changing truth of Jesus. And we need to not do it alone. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. We do this together. And when you think about that statement, boldly forward, never alone, it is a testament to what God has called us to, and it's a testament that he will always be with us that we do not do this alone. We do it together in partnership and together within the context of the local church, but we do it because God is with us. God is with us. And what I want you to know this morning is that everything that I've shared here with you, this story about what's happened in the Immerse program and how that just makes me so excited, all of this is possible because of the partnership that we have with you the partnership that we have together in the gospel. So as I close this morning, I just want to say a big thank you. We couldn't do the work that we do if it wasn't for people like you. Here you are in your local community, here in Sardis, serving Jesus, telling people about who they are, about who he is, and that they are welcome here. And I want you to know that it makes a difference. I was here on Thursday meeting with your pastor, and I left, and there was a woman walking through your parking lot, and she just moved in next door. She goes, this is a lovely parking lot. Does it all belong to this place? Is this a church? I said, it is a church, and you should come on Sunday. It's an amazing place. I don't know if she came. I might have scared her off when I said, I'm going to be there. That might have scared her. I have no idea. But that is what we need to be about. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your partnership. I want to thank you for the prayer that you give us. And if you have ever have any questions, um, please give me a call. And yes, I do bake. I might bake you some cookies. Thank you, Rod. Yeah. After that meeting, Krista, I went out back, and there was a young guy about 15 years old on a skateboard. Uh, skateboarders tend to like our parking lot as well. And so I asked him his name. He gave me his name as Ty, and we got chatting. And I also invited Ty to come and join us for church here. Ty, are you here? <laughs> Just kidding. 
I don't think so. What I want to say is I fully affirm what Chris has just shared. That partnership between our, our camp ministries and Baptist Housing, which often funds a lot of these connections, is really important to the local church. And, and you know, Annika Johnsrud is one of our... Are we good? Okay. Annika Johnsrud, we just hired to be our Sardis Kids Coordinator come the fall. She did one year at Kaleo. But she did Kaleo because she heard about it because she had gone to Camp Kuanos and she would counseled at Camp Kuanos. She had gone through the CIT, Counselor and Training Program, and the LIT, Leader and Training Program. And then she comes back to Kaleo and she's there this summer as a counselor and she's coming back to work in Sardis Kids. That's an example of what we're talking about. And it's multiplied many times over and it's not just Annika, there's others in our congregation as well that have experienced that. Um, so yes, thank you. And thank you for this partnership. We do partner locally. <clears throat> we support Ruth and Naomi's <clears throat> mission, Salvation Army, sorry, uh, Cyrus Center. It's a youth center. Um, their pregnancy clinic, <clears throat> teen challenge, and a number of other things as well. So all of these, I think, are in keeping with what God has called us to be about. And I want to read for you one short passage from Philippians. Pastor Dave was preaching on Philippians just a few weeks ago at the beginning of June. And he talked about the fact that once we understand who God is, what you were talking about, then the gratitude flows, right? With your time and with your money. <clears throat> Excuse me. So in Philippians, Paul said this to that church. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul knew that. He knew that they had remembered his needs. He goes on later on in chapter 4. He says that in this matter of giving and receiving, you alone remembered my needs when I was in Thessalonica. You sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And you know, the giving of funding to support a Karina or funding to support Nate and Tiana, which you can do if you would like to do that, just write on your uh, envelope that it's for um, Italy, Nate and Tiana. We'll make sure that they get that money. Or partnering with our fellowship. It is about partnership. And that's all a part of our We Serve series. I'm going to close on this note. Um, we have one more that's a new partnership. If I could advance the slide to the, um, the Quebec one, please, Mike. Um, recently, as of last fall, our missions committee made the decision to uh, support uh, a church plant in Quebec. And um, the way that came about is that in the Fraser Valley, there's a number of fellowship churches, and it's really hard to come up with a large amount of money to support a church plant. And so we band together, there's five of us that have band together to give a couple thousand dollars each to support a church plant in, in Quebec. And that's happening. We were able to give that gift uh, this last year. And I'm not sure if that slide came through or not, but it doesn't matter. Uh, we're, we're doing that. That's another level of partnership. And the pastor's name there is Pastor Benjamin. He's there with his family. And they started a work, and it's small at the moment, but it's, it's gaining traction. And so let's just continue to be faithful to the calling that God has given us. We can't do everything, right? And we can't even partner with everyone. But we do do what God calls this church to do, and then we partner where we can. And I think that God honors that very much. And we're going to close our service with a word of prayer. Father, it has been good to be here in your house, a place where we set time aside to gather in the name of Jesus to worship him, to acknowledge that you are our Savior and our Lord, and that we don't live our lives selfishly just for ourselves. We live it for you. Help us to really implement that in all of our thinking, uh, from the ways in which we live in our own homes to together in the body of Christ, to partnering outside the walls of this church. And Lord, we offer it to you because we love you. 
we know that you have given your life for us and we want to be faithful and give to you what you have blessed us with. So take this church forward and thank you so much for the privilege of gathering in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out sardisfellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.